welcome back to Book From Tape. I am Jordan Woods Robinson, and uh, I'm here to empower you with the tools to book directly from your audition tape. And today's episode is slightly out of the norm. Um, this is uh, a conversation that my wife, Julie, and I had as a part of our monthly ABC, which is the Actors Book Club. And we're discussing David uh, Mamet's True and False. Normally, we'd be joined by a bunch of different uh, actors calling in, and this time, for whatever reason, scheduling and whatnot, uh, it was actually just the two of us. And so we, we sat down and we started this freeform conversation about the book. And by the end of the conversation, we realized we'd actually covered quite a bit of ground uh, discussing everything from Stanislavski and Meisner to, to David Mamet uh, to Harold Guskin to uh, a number of different theories and uh, things that were written in the book versus other ways that I interpreted them or Julie interpreted them uh, and how we can use them in a practical sense. So without further ado, here is our conversation on David Mamet's True and False. Recording. Maybe, right. maybe we'll get a podcast out of this. <laughs> uh, it's actually really unfortunate people are going to show up to this one because this one, this one just is full of debate because it's such a strong opinion. Wait, so the book was True or False by uh, David Mamet. There we go. Um, and there was plenty in it that we, uh, the whole time, I was like, oh, this guy, oh, this guy, like all the way through. I mean, I was like, he's a jerk and frankly likes uber masculine in a way that does not fly today the way it did in 1997. Um, but, you know, it's always worth coming up against something that challenges you because it asks you to think. And there are plenty of good little nuggets in here. I, Absolutely. I, just think, I think some of the packaging of those nuggets is a little borderline offensive uh, to the craft, but. Well, here's, um, here's where I good. think it was a huge success. And I mentioned to the, this to you last night is that yes, he's extremely pompous the whole time throughout it. But I think it is an excellent example of a person who has a belief set for themselves and follows it 100%. Mm -hmm. And as a result, sometimes contradicts themselves because they firmly believe this. And yes, and they firmly believe this. And sometimes little portions of that overlap. And you're like, but hold on a second. Yeah. But <laughs> he has formed his opinions. He has formed his path, right? In a, in a focusing way that allows him to fully approach everything that he does with fervor and passion and not having to second guess it saying, am I doing this right? Uh, is this how they want it? He's like, this is how it needs to be, period. You know, And that's, that's the gumption and courage with which actors need to approach their auditions, approach their scenes. That's approach true. In a way, it's compelling to read because of that courage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's like a it's like a series of short essays on different things that perturb him about the industry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> rather than like an acting it's book. It's certainly not like a feel good encouraging you that you can do anything you want kind of book. And I have to say I agree with a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Even if it's putting it in, even if it's putting it in my own words while he says it even if I'm like, "Oh yeah, I agree with this phrase that you said mm -hmm. and that allows me to understand your point about it mm -hmm. i think it's misguided i think there are more ways to examine this than what you just said but i understand and i do agree with what you're saying yeah and i would say as much as he kind of annoyed me and angered me throughout the book um i feel the same way yeah uh, in its core that idea of getting out of your head just going a lot of his little nuggets i really did agree with it was just the way he got about them that kind of got under my skin 
Well, now that we've talked about what we don't like. Um, We're totally just creating our own little show right now. <laughs> we are. You missed a great conversation, people. Um, but hey, if we're going to have this conversation at home together, we might as well let people in. Yeah. Um, okay, but let's talk about what we did like. The actor does not need to become the character when he or she says them simply in an attempt to achieve an object, more or less like that suggested by the author. The audience sees an illusion of a character upon stage, which to him, illusion is the best you can hope for. That sounds kind of negative in this quote, but he was saying becoming, I need to become the character is ridiculous because in reality, you will never be that person. You are only ever giving the audience what they perceive as the character, which is in essence an illusion because you're a person who is different from the character. And we like that, right? And they- And also, it's and, important to- And being simple, right? The, yeah. the most simple objective, moment by moment, play that and see where it leads you. And he, he does, I mean, as pompous as he is in this book, he does self-deprecate himself in that moment. And he says, these are only words on a page. This is, this is black ink on white paper, right? Mm -hmm. This doesn't have, there's nothing about the script <laughs> that should be in the performance, really. Like the performance is the actor living on stage and mm -hmm. using. And that, that kind of performance is what is actually interesting. Right. Somebody being real right. and real is yourself. Another tidbit that we liked, the very act of striving to create an emotional state in oneself takes one out of the play. Um, I totally believe this, right? That's fake emotions, trying to get sad, trying to get, to start crying or whatever, right? Is not as helpful or truthful as just being available as an actor. And it's a task. And then playing, yep, doing your task. It's a right? chore. No, well, no, I'm saying the crime. Oh, oh. I have actors come into the studio all the time who look at me with like deer in the headlights saying, I have to cry today. I'm like, no, no you, you don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> no one plans to cry. No one plans to cry. Yeah. You are, if, if people are playing, surprised by tears. Yeah, people try to hold back tears. If you're playing your objective, if you're trying to achieve your task in the scene, right? right? right. And it's, so frustrating that the other character just does not get there like maybe that makes you cry because you're trying so hard and it's not working Absolutely. right but if but to falsely create emotion is it takes stupid, you out yeah right yeah something else that we really liked talking about the outward directedness um of an actor brings real life to the state of magnificent responsiveness and makes his progress or her progress thrilling to watch um basically saying again like your action towards the other character, outward directness instead of this inward obsession, right? Because nobody wants to watch you like uh, obsessed, like I just said, over your own beautiful thing that you're creating, as opposed to what's more interesting is seeing your focus be on the other. Mm -hmm. I think this takes me back and to responsiveness. Responsiveness. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not, he has a whole <laughs> thing in here about being introverted. While mm -hmm. you know, while going through stuff and how that doesn't help anyone, but this specific passage of the outward direction is focusing on your scene partner, focusing on you know the action, getting what you need out of them, takes me back to Liz Suedos' thing of perform to save a life. You're not just doing this to share the story; you're doing this to to reach someone out there. Yeah, you're like he says, you're just delivering it to the audience. Mm -hmm. You don't need to explain it to them; you're bringing it to them. Oh, and this, the huff. Yes, that's what, oh, the, the breath. Oh, the huff. Yeah. Um, it just drives me crazy. So he says, this is the, he says that this is the common trend. Uh, he specifically mentions film and TV actors, right? Mm -hmm. That 
in an emotional scene or in any scene, the new trend in order. And I see this with, I see this with actors all the time. I see it with stage actors too. Yeah. Yeah. That mid scene, you'll go, this is what I think about that, right? You'll, you'll take that huff in between mm -hmm. lines. It's always right before something. And that something. was an exaggerated version. It doesn't even have to be that big. Oh my gosh, I've seen it bigger. Yeah. But it's, it's right before, it's, it's usually right before something emotional. And what he's saying is that huff, he says, that's where the scene went. And I'm like, it's gone. 100%. It's just you just took all that natural emotion and response. And instead of acting on it, you expelled it because it wasn't in the line of what you had planned to do. And then you go back to right. your, what you had planned to do. Right. He talks about it has to be memorized and mm -hmm. you have to stand there bravely and boldly without adding anything, without mm -hmm. inventing anything or denying anything. Yeah. Right? He says, invent what nothing, I like about nothing. that is actually, I like that in general, right? Even yeah. when we do viewpoints a lot in our classes and when we do those, right. Um, you almost have to stop the actors if they are inventing too much, right? right? Because they're not being open and available. They're coming in feeling that they're being super clever, mm -hmm. um, which is only putting up a wall between them and all the other actors in the mm -hmm. space, as opposed to coming in and being fully available and then responding to what happens. Which is much scarier. Yeah. And that's why he says stand there and with courage, with the, right? What Trust does he say? It. Deny nothing, right? Deny nothing is responding. Yeah. Yeah, and invent nothing is... Don't embellish. Don't embellish and stop thinking you're the only important thing here. However, at the same time, invent nothing also carries that if you do truly feel that impulse to follow it, right? Because mm -hmm. you're not denying it. Then you're denying it, right? Yeah. And, but if, and it's not an embellishment if a moment affects you differently tonight than it has for the past 30 times you've run it. Mm -hmm. That's not inventing it. That is... And if you don't throw it away on a breath, that is still truly inventing nothing. And that is, that's the goal is to get to that point where you can just follow that, that current of thought, right? Yeah. The actor has his own trials to go and they're right in front of him. Both adding nothing, denying nothing, right? He's talking about how it takes courage to just be truthful, to just be open and truthful and not know what's going to happen next. And if you can just train yourself to be brave enough mm -hmm. on, on a regular basis to be able to drop into the mindset where you're like, now is the time when I put everything else away and I'm just there mm -hmm. and we'll see what happens. Um, and he said that courage is the actor's hard task. So stop trying to put all these other tasks mm -hmm. on yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So he talks about another way to talk about an objective is to think about the way we tell a punchline in a joke. So he says, if you're telling a joke, you know what the punchline is, you inherently, everything you say is directed towards that punchline. It's leading in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just something we do. And he says, things that are not leading toward that punchline, we also inherently just exclude them. So what's your objective? What do I want? Everything that I'm doing, all my actions, then always lead back to that, right? And uh, so we were saying, that it kind of sounds like, though, a little bit of critique for um, a writer, right? Mm -hmm. Then telling them, you know, if it's unnecessary, cut it out. Because the actor, you're not going to cut it out. It's in the script. But then we realized that if something's in the script, then I think it's always in the actor's best interest to at least assume that the script is well-written so that while you're performing it, right? right. So then um, deciding that if it's in the script, and I think it's irrelevant, to this action, then either my impulse about what my action is is wrong, or I have to keep trying out this moment, this line, until 
it does lead to the action. Ask yourself, why is it in the scene? Yeah. And find the missing piece to that puzzle that you didn't have. And I, another way of saying that, I think, goes back to finding it in your own words. Because if you if you are running the scene in your own words and you find the simplest way to say this and it's only a sentence or two long to get you to successfully get you to that punchline and yet the script has you going off on a, a monologue a little bit, then I think that's a clue to the actor to say, ah, this person went off on a tangent. You know, like they got sidetracked, they got distracted by something, they had another thought, they, they doubted they themselves in the moment. Or they were afraid to say it. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, they where... They were stalling. And now it's whether or not the writer intended that, that is, that's true to you because you could say it so much more easily in different circumstances, right? Um, so then, yeah, then why, why do I have to, you have to, why do I have to say all these other words? Um, and you, that make gives you a work. little, yeah, <laughs> make it work, people. I, I still think that it can be helpful to write down action words and objectives, right? I know Jordan doesn't agree with that. I think it depends on the person, but, but what I think is not to live by them religiously. Right. It's, yeah. The reason for me saying it is in line with what he's saying, where <coughs> once you write it on the page, that is still just ink on paper, mm-hmm. right? It's not helping you mm-hmm. get anywhere other than cataloging and, and sure. right. But, but then as the actor, if, if you're, if it locks you into the script more, so now you're in the scene and all you're doing is like a, a scrolling page of watching the PDF of the script go by as you're talking and you're seeing the little notes in the margins and stuff, that's not helpful to me. I feel like that locks you into the page more as opposed yeah. to... and I can see that. And I think the only way, um, or the only circumstance in which it would be helpful is if you're able to, if you're exploring physically, you're doing it on its feet and you're like, kind of like that idea. I just want to remember that that was one of the options, write it down, but not lock yourself in, but just to know that one time I was doing that and that worked, maybe I'll go back to it. I could see how that could be helpful, but it isn't helpful if it locks you in. And I guess it's kind of hard. It's it's one of those impossible tasks, Let yourself be locked in. Like just the, I mean, there's, there's the whole trick of writing your script out in a, like as a letter to someone, Mm -hmm. right? And the whole point of that is to make it a personal thing, get it off of the like printed page and put it into your handwriting and everything, mm-hmm. which is cool. It is cool. And it Except does, does it actually help it get a, in your body it, more? Yeah. It's an introverted um, story that you're telling. You're, yeah. you're, it's like when somebody is talking to their mirror about all the things they would say, right? And then you, you just get obsessed with something that's not really happening as mm-hmm. opposed to going to say something to someone else mm-hmm. and them surprising you with some sort of reaction or response or, or words or interruption and having a real reaction, mm-hmm. um, which is going to throw you off from what you planned. And that's a and that's good. good thing. I like the one, the key to wisdom is the phrase, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Allowing yourself to just be in a state of, I don't understand. Right. Cause he says that puts you in the same state as the protagonist, as the, the person that you are portraying. Say, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. We don't know. We're, we're in a, I'm assuming that I'm going to talk until you interrupt me. <laughs> if you just say, I don't understand, then that puts you in a state to just begin the scene from a place of not planning and taking everything at face value mm-hmm. and looking for clues. Jordan was just saying he's going to do that on a scene today. I am. And he says there's no emotional support for um, a lover leaving you or someone dying in your life. There's no emotional preparation for that, right? It just lands on you and you have to deal with it, mm-hmm. right? And that's what he's, it's the same thing with the scripts. Like they just land on you and. But you have to be available. Yeah. Emotionally available. Yeah. Physically available. And probably 
expecting something else to happen, you know, mm-hmm. like, at, at least as a, this is getting into, <laughs> he would probably argue this, right? That, I mean, I would think as an actor, like if you just found out that, just in a scene, you just found out that your mom died, right? You, you get a knock on the door and a police officer is there and says that your mom has just gotten in a car accident and didn't make it, right? Mm-hmm. I would think as an actor, a way to prepare yourself for that, to have like the greatest impact is to say, mom was coming to pick me up to take me to this concert that we've mm-hmm. been planning for 10 years or what you know like something which is an embellishment as he it is yeah. it's an embellishment mm-hmm. you know so yeah, we say you're inventing yeah but we've all seen those law and order episodes where um someone does that really well that moment when the police knock on the door and and then we've all seen the ones where someone does it really poorly like they scream and well yeah, and, yeah. and you're just like that was, I don't know, something about that didn't feel right. It's like you didn't even hear them first or right, something. Right, right, right. But then again, I've seen the ones where it's too underplayed and then that doesn't seem right either. And they look like the killer right away because they didn't care <laughs> that their parent died. You know, yeah. I don't know. Okay, I've got, okay, so I've got, I've got two examples. One is if someone gets information like that, then your mind doesn't go immediately into, oh my God, I've lost my parent forever. It goes into, okay, so what do I need to do, officer, in order to finalize this process that you've started right now right mm-hmm. okay so i'll get to that in a little bit i'm going to swallow that for a second i need to do i need to sign something do i need to do i need to go to the morgue do i need to identify the body like what do i need to do now right yeah. there's a there's a new action that's in place of you that's yeah that's your job right now or the action to, could be like if there's like a feeling of like well i need to stop it or prevent it and then you're like wait it's over you know i could see that also being another one but sure. it's the same kind of thing like yeah. what's next you'll have time later like... to decompress it's like when you get yeah. back from a vacation then you get sick right it's... yeah but the other thing is so so for instance when our son hit his head and had a giant gash running down his forehead normally you think... in many circumstances i'd be the person to pick him up be the strong comforting holding stuff on his head while frankly you would probably be slightly hyperventilating in the corner going uh uh okay what uh, what do we need to, how do i do this how do i fix this you know but, to a certain degree however when it happened i wasn't there yes and I it was, was your job yeah to be the one to to be the all right okay who's got a car great okay where's the closest hospital can you please yeah can you google find out where we need to go next hey yes. buddy we got you you know and it's a different thing. You don't have time to get And my friends who were there were like, it was weird. You were so calm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because so that's calm. the job we're in like, This is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. This is what we need to do. Somebody get this to wipe the blood out of his eyes. Your job at like, that point is not to see the bigger picture and to yeah. think about the scar and to think about how he's going to be affected. It's to give him to somebody <laughs> that can stop his head from bleeding. Yeah. Period. You yeah. know, like that's it. And to and make to sure that he's down. comfortable yeah. while he's doing that, yeah. you know? The rational brain does not jump to the big picture when you're faced with something as big picture as that. It, mm-hmm. it focuses on the small stuff in front of you, maybe out of self-preservation, maybe mm-hmm. out of... But what's kind of funny, even in just this, like my reaction, there's a character study for a moment. Um, they all said, I was so calm. And I know I did those things. I know I said those things. But I wasn't calm inside. Your brain was freaking out. Yeah, I was freaking out. Mm-hmm. But I was very focused on what I needed to do mm-hmm. and on making sure everybody else stopped freaking out because they were making him more upset mm-hmm. and he was upset. So I was just outwardly focused, I guess. And I was worrying about all of them. Say you had to play a scene like that. 
what gets played is the outward focus, right? Mm-hmm. If you tried to play that inward freak out, you would get lost. Mm-hmm. And if you try to play that, if you just play the outward emotion um, or the outward actions there rather, um, that's what everybody else is seeing anyway. Even if what I was experiencing inside was different. Mm-hmm. If I tried to play what I was experiencing inside to a viewer, it wouldn't have been what they needed to see. Breaking it down and taking care of one small puzzle piece at a time until everything's okay again. And I mean, he also, he has this other thing in here. He's like, as a director and as a writer, I've heard actors tear themselves apart saying that was terrible or that was wonderful mm-hmm. in two performances that I couldn't personally tell the difference from the audience's perspective. And as the person who's directing and writing it. So like, half of this roadblock is in your mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it has nothing to do with what you were actually doing. So leave it at the door and come back to it later the next time if you want to try something I would actually take out of this that if he were to to propose any kind of training, that the training is not so much acting theory and concepts, but more so just exercises that encourage you to get out of your mind and relax separate from acting and then just practice like just practice on your feet right right like he's saying just do it well if you're not in a play and or you're not in a movie and you don't have those things to practice you could go to class i don't think he would propose any class i'm just saying if he were to propose class it seems like that would be what he would say mm-hmm. almost like russ's classes where totally um it's like bring in a scene let's do it let's work on it yeah and then when that scene is over the scene is over like it was just an opportunity to act and then it's done exactly yeah and you just have to practice more and more how to be able to just drop into being available Mm -hmm. but to me the kind of training that's like yoga and um breath or physical games or things which maybe aren't um even directly associated with a particular role or script mm-hmm. um but it's just exercises to release the body to me having somewhere with people to remind me to do that to me that's training yeah i mean it really depends on he says that most teachers like bastardize it right mm-hmm. and i think that is true and what you're saying if that if that is school it's just being able to get up and practice and be that vessel that allows things to flow through then yeah you shouldn't have like a certain certain stamp on your performance when you get out of there because mm-hmm. then that is just more of a cult like he's saying mm-hmm. i mean he uses that word where he says modern day acting teaching is or stanislavski that's what he says you know stanislavski schooling is not revolutionary it's a cult yes and to which i still put the caveat on he's talking about Strasbourg and Adler the method, and quote unquote, the American bastardization memory. of Stanislavski. He's not talking about right. the actual contribution Stanislavski made. At the same time, though, like I think that Stanislavski got so much, so much fame and fortune because he was coming out of the time when things were so presentational. Everything before Stanislavski was, mm-hmm. I'm going to stand on the stage and Melodrama. today, yeah, today I am playing King James the Third, and I am meeting my. Uh, mm-hmm. my vixen uh, in the woods mm-hmm. and then you step back three feet and now you're in the scene right yeah and he came about and said look it's not about gestures it's not about uh proclamation and showing the audience the audience is an emotional character and wants to follow along with you so all you have to do is find the true emotion of that and at first he started to 
yeah, speculate that it was, was sense memory, that it was, mm -hmm. yeah, right? But no acting was natural. No, everything was mm -hmm. presentational. As opposed to now, it's a given that everything is natural. Every, you know, there or are the moments. the ideal is to be natural. Right, mm -hmm. there are moments of it being heightened. Otherwise, it's, uh, if, if the whole project is heightened, then it's stylized, right? It's mm -hmm. not what the current understanding of acting is. So I can see that people who continue to belabor the quote unquote Stanislavski side of things. Mm -hmm. Like there, there are some good guidelines there, but that's not the end all be all, right? Like I mean, it's like, I like that word belabor, right? Yeah. Because it's just like people are continue exploring it and and beating it to death, right? Yeah. And obsessing over it to the point where now they're so in their heads that they can't be right in their bodies, right? Um, but it's funny because if you think about the actual um, the actual history of that, right? Stanislavski was reactionary to what was happening in his time. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. anyone who's being sort of revolutionary in their field, they're pushing back against something, right? So right. he was pushing back against that, uh -huh. right? But at any given time, we need to continue pushing back against whatever we've been doing right. in order to keep pushing the field forward to finding something new. Because if you stay in that for a hundred years, right, you're gonna get lost. Mm -hmm. And so eventually someone needs to push back against that, which people did. And then eventually Stanislavski <laughs> decided that focusing on the emotions and the, the mental inner life, just the psychology was not true. And rather getting at something through physical actions was how you release that psychology right. without being in your head, you know, right. which is the core of this. I just think it's not to his uh, legacy's credit that Mamet is using his or his whole framing his critique is taking yeah. on Stanislavski and anyone that yeah considers themselves to be a student of Stanislavski yeah but I mean what he should be saying is um that's all and well and good but you didn't push far enough right okay thank you so much for tuning in this week this conversation was a part of our actors book club uh, if you want to be a part of that it's a free monthly conversation usually with more people I swear um, that focuses on a different acting book each month. Uh, and you can sign up for that at bookfromtape.com and you'll get an email with next month's book. You read it, you show up, we talk about it, and it's a great way to keep up with your craft and to meet some new folks. Thank you so much. And this is Jordan Robinson saying, I can't even pronounce my own name properly.